You guys get enough food? Yes, That's one of the things about Hume is the food. Well, uh, thanks for uh, coming to this talk here. And uh, before I jump into anything uh, of significance, I want to talk about the serious stuff first, all right? Go Dodgers. (laughs) Now, you Giant fans are going to you're going to always have to forgive me for that, so... Yeah, it's going to take some work. It's a process. It's a process, right? For your Giant fans to have to forgive me already. Uh, well, let me pray for us, and uh, we'll, we'll jump into our time. So, God, thanks for every guy here. Thanks for your gift of forgiveness. Uh, I just pray you'd use this time for your glory and your good. Thanks for Hume Lake, and I uh, pray you continue to protect the people here, this place, and thanks for what your spirit does here. In your name, Amen. And uh, do we have any married guys in the room? All right, for you married guys, uh, just, a, just a suggestion. When you get home, don't walk up to your wife and go, I found something for you. <laughs> yeah, she's going to go, don't ever go back to that Hume Lake again. All right, just, just, just don't, don't do it that way. That's not going to go well. So... Uh, thank you guys for uh, just being here. Forgiveness, I think, is just a passion of mine. I, uh, a little bit about where I'm coming from. Uh, I'm a pastor at Winston Hills Community Church, which is about a mile from Magic Mountain, if you know off the 5 Freeway down south. So that's where I'm from. And do a lot. Of, I'm the, the counseling pastor, pretty much. And I used to do social work with child abuse cases for about 10 years. So I've seen all sorts of crazy situations uh, where I was the one taking kids out of homes, putting them in foster care. So that's what I did for many years before church life. And, uh, and I, I say every family is normal until you get to know them, <laughs> right? Including my own, including my own. Every family is normal. So I just think forgiveness is one of those concepts in the, that we read about in the Bible or you hear about, and you're like, that's a good idea, but I don't know about that. Or it, that's good, but I don't know how to do that. That sounds good, but the how part is, is rough. For instance, anybody here... Uh, have some dysfunctional relatives. Anybody here? Amen. Amen. And you know, the scary part is some of our relatives say we are those people. <laughs> right? That's what they would say about, say, say about us. So, and I get it, every family. And by the way, this is going to be a little interactive at times. So if, if you're uh, coming to sit in the very back row and hide, uh, I'll have to apologize uh, for that. So, uh, as I was getting ready for the talk uh, this week, I, I went to some of the staff members at our church, and I said, I'm doing a very informal, non-scientific survey, and, I, and these are all people that are employed by our church, and I asked them, what percentage of your extended family members do you think holds a grudge against another extended family member? I, well, I already got some answers, 100%. All right, so the range at our, the church staff, the few people I talked to, was anywhere from about 60 to 90%. And that's what they knew of. That's what they knew of. I guarantee there's ones they don't even know of. So if I were to ask you the same question, what percentage would you give? If, you're, if you said, I have these 40 extended family members from cousins, nephews, nieces, whatever, that has a grudge or some bitterness towards another family member, what percentage would you say? A hundred. What would you say? Ninety. Only ten. That's impressive. Why are you at this seminar? (laughs) You have kids. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, that's better than the money one, give money to your kids, you know, that seminar. So whatever range, it's usually typically pretty high. And just, I mean, just think of all of that that goes on. Of, uh, and, and by the way, I don't recommend in about a month, in about a month, it's Thanksgiving time. You're sitting down for a Thanksgiving meal because you skipped it last year because of COVID and go, hey, I heard at Hume Lake we should all talk about resentment in our family. Can you, can you pass the gravy? I, I don't know if that's going to go well. You won't be invited to the next Thanksgiving meal. So it's, it's a big deal. 
Yeah, uh, what happens to a lot of families is they're nice up front and then they talk behind their backs. That's what I've heard other families do, you know, not mine. Or, that's just what I've heard, just what I've heard. Uh, so this is not a rhetorical question. I'm looking for some out loud thoughts. Why do you think people in general, people in general hold on to grudges? What? Their pride? What else? Keep going. Hurt? Lack of communication. Not tell them the truth. Got, especially guys. Any guy here like to be in control? Some of you are like, I don't want to be controlled right now. I'm not raising my hand. I just see it in your face. You're like, no. no. Uh, we can uh, self-justify it. I actually think in people in general, because I, I do a lot of counseling stuff, and I sometimes have to watch the the gap between my brain and my, my mouth sometimes is because I'll see stuff, I'm like, oh, I can't say that yet. I can't say that yet. But I think sometimes we, uh, we have our master's degree in other people's flaws and we're about third graders with our own. It's amazing we can see it because we've all sat across the living room from a relative and we're like, they don't get it. Holy cow. They, they need counseling or whatever it is, Right? But then we have a hard time seeing our own kind of stuff. And so this idea of forgiveness is just throughout, especially the, the scriptures, especially the New Testament, it's really clear. It's one of those uh, things that is commanded that's not optional. It's not forgive if you're in the mood, right? Or forgive if the person just comes and begs for forgiveness for like 30 minutes and says how wonderful you are, then you forgive. All right, it says what? Forgive as the Lord what? Forgave you. So that sounds good, but the how part is what I want to um, get to. So here's some ideas if you know you might need to forgive a little bit. I want you to think of someone in your mind that annoys you quickly. And if someone pops in your head pretty quickly, you might need forgiveness. Uh, or another one could be you're annoyed by a, someone else's success, right? That coworker who gets the promotion, and inside you're like, wow, I'm happy for them. I, you might see it on the outside, but on the inside, might be a little jealousy, resentment, or uh, the person who's gotten away with stuff, uh, or the person that betrayed your trust, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. I was actually reading uh, from John Hopkins University stuff this morning, and it actually talked about, uh, I'm actually going to pull it up. I'm going to read. I was literally just reading this 20 minutes ago uh, from John Hopkins University, and it said that it actually um, hurts our health if we don't forgive. It, God knew what he was doing when he designed us. He knew what he, he was doing when he designed this. When we don't forgive, it actually not just negatively affects our spiritual life, our relationship, it negatively affects our health. It actually talks about our blood pressure levels, our cholesterol, all that stuff, if we hold on to grudges. Right? It's, it's amazing. I mean, God knew what he was doing when he told us to forgive. Because we've all been in those awkward conversations, whether at work or at home, where you can just cut the tension with a knife. And you're like, I can think of anywhere else I'd rather be than right here because this is awkward. Or you ever see it where there's like two people in the room that can't talk to each other because they're so mad at each other? And it just sucks the air out of the room. And you're like, this is great. Oh, are you kidding me? So uh, I just think we're going to look at some scriptures here now. So take your packet now and go to Luke 15. Luke 15. If you didn't get a packet, there's some up front. I uh, apologize. Feel free just to come up here and grab some or grab some for the back row. I think a few guys just came in. So in Luke 15, actually, uh, it was referred to last night, uh, the story of, you know, the prodigal sons. But I want to give a little more context to this. Luke 15, and I'll start in verses 1 and 2. So Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. All right, anybody here ever been to uh, a work meeting 
in which the person running the meeting is really incompetent. Anybody had one of those? All right. I used to, when I was a social worker, I worked for the government, and I had my, I had my fair share. All right, I had my fair share where on the outside you're like this. Okay, on the inside you're like, how did they get that job? All right, that, so, and then what happens, I've seen this in work situations where everybody's nice on the outside during the meeting, but then once everybody leaves the meeting and they go back to their offices or walk down the hallway, what do they do? Can you, can you, that's an idiot, right? I've heard those, you've heard those. That's the mindset these Pharisees are having towards Jesus. That's the mindset they're having is, he doesn't get it, he's out to lunch, there's such condemning kind of feel that they're having towards Jesus. So that's the mindset as Jesus then tells these quick three stories. So he tells these two, one is the, the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then there's the parable of the prodigal son. And uh, so I'm going to be in verse 11. It says this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the state. So he divided his property between them. As we referred to last night, this is like saying what? Dad, you're what? Dead. You're dead. Yeah, I, your money is more important than your life. I've actually talked to a few dads over the years who say, I think the only reason my family loves me is because of the money I bring in. Right? And uh, it's definitely that mindset. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for Las Vegas, and he squandered his wealth in wild living. <laughs> if you're from Las Vegas, I just offended you, please forgive me. After he spent everything, there was this fear of famine in the whole country began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to these fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now in that culture, especially back then, the dads never ran. They, it, it just what it was back then, you just didn't do this. You didn't run. It was actually embarrassing, actually, then to show part of your leg, so you didn't run. So this would have been really social. It's, I mean, opposite of, you think of movies today where people run and they meet their last long relative they haven't seen in years, and the movie ends kind of thing, right? And they show those clips at the women's retreats, right? <laughs> so some of you are just need, need a little more coffee. Uh, but in this time, this did, that never happened. And actually, when this, this young man would have come back, he would, it's a shame culture like uh, was mentioned last night, he would have been shamed by the entire community. And he was actually trying to protect him from his shame. He's trying to protect him from his shame. Actually, a little side note, the first consequence listed with, when Adam and Eve sinned was shame. And actually, God made them a, a, a Christmas gift, a birthday gift. He gave them clothes to deal with their shame, even though they had just sinned. Shame is a huge theme that grace um, really is greater than. So this idea of shame is great. Now, in the Middle East, even to this day, there are some people, some Christians, who don't call this the, the prodigal son. They actually call this the story of the running father. They actually call it the story of the running father. Because this is really about the father coming and giving so much grace, because this son didn't deserve a bit of it, right? I mean, he talk. This is like ultimate entitlement. We think entitlement's like creeped up in our age. Like that's what's going on here. Verse uh, twenty-one. The son said to him, "Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son." Next page. But the father said to his servants, "Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. After he spends three years proving he's worthy." Some of you are not paying attention. That last sentence wasn't in there. That wasn't in there at all. It's not it. It says this right away. It says verse 23. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For his son was, 
mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he said. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he uh, was back safe and sound. Verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. All right. The resentment's kicking in right away. I, I, I wish I had a transcript of this older brother's thoughts right now. I could just imagine something like this. Are you kidding me? He embarrassed the family like this? And my dad wants to throw a party for him? Okay, so just right now, right now, I want you to think of, and it might be you, uh, who is known in your extended family as the black sheep? And so you're like, me. So imagine at the next Christmas gathering, your family member says, we decided to throw a party for you because we just love you so much. Right? You're like, oh, what? We don't do that. We put up with them. At best, right? Says this. Uh, so his father went out, middle of verse 28, and pleaded with him. And this is embarrassing now, right? There's a scene going on in the porch or in the backyard, right? I can just imagine everybody inside going, what's going on out there? Right, verse 29. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a younger goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always welcome with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Right? Amazing story. Jesus is just an amazing teacher. One of the amazing things about this passage is Jesus is saying to the, remember, remember the audience here, come back to the verse one and two. The audience is these religious leaders who are muttering. So what he's saying to all of them is, you are the older brother. That's you. You're the older brother. They probably didn't take that lightly. They didn't probably like that. And the sinners he was eating with, who's that? That's the younger brother, the, mo- the prodigal son. He's making it really, really clear. Really, really clear. And one of the, the things that goes on, why we have a hard time, I think, understanding this idea of forgiving others is I think we minimize how much God has forgiven us. When we, I guarantee you, if uh, that older brother came to see me for counseling, he wouldn't say this. I have a grudge problem. I'm a bitter man. I need help. No, he would say, my dad has favorites. He doesn't get it. Right? He, he doesn't, this older brother doesn't see an ounce of his own sin. He doesn't see, see his stuff. He doesn't see he has a problem. His, his problems are, are of the heart, just like the younger brothers of the heart. They just come out really different ways. And so, one of the things that happens, I think, with us, especially those that know, know Christ, we have this idea that to admit sin equals looking bad, embarrassment, losing my reputation, and so I don't go there. And I act fine on the outside, but I'm really not on the inside. And I think that just happens all over the place. I don't just think it's us. I think it's across our whole country. That's kind of the mindset that we have going on. I remember one time, uh, this is actually a number of times, I would interview children as a social worker and usually if they were between about ages 12 and 13, I would get an amazing, honest answers. And I would just do the following. I'd say, hey, can you tell me if there's any family secrets? Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, dad starts drinking at 6 a.m. Mom has another guy that she met from my school. All this stuff. And I guarantee if I asked the parents, they'd be like, oh, no, we're, we're a loving family. We love our children. And so we have this idea that admitting sin or admitting wrongdoing or admitting this stuff is something I really have to work hard to protect, keep under wraps, not let people know because if they knew the junk about me, it would be a mess and all this stuff. And I'm, by the way, I'm not saying go and blasting your stuff everywhere. What I'm saying is being transparent before God. 
and being really honest before him. So when we minimize our stuff, we actually minimize God's forgiveness. We really do. We minimize. And then when someone offends us, because we've only experienced about inch uh, thick deep forgiveness with God, we only offer about inch thick deep forgiveness with other people. And so uh, Proverbs 28, 13 actually talks about the blessing of confessing a sin out loud to him. The blessing of that. But I don't know any guy that wakes up and go, huh, I wonder what sins I've kind of pushed under the rug that I need to bring back up before God. It's more like, all right, God, please help my family today or help me put up with that guy I work with because he's a jerk or help me not to yell at my family even though I'm tempted to or whatever it is. And those are fine prayers. I'm not saying that's all bad. But when we minimize our stuff with God, we'll minimize the forgiveness we can extend towards others. Uh, Now, I I think all of us at times can be like the older brother. We actually can be like both. We can be like, anybody here, for instance, you don't have to raise your hand. This is rhetorical this time. Uh, Anybody here uh, ever get stuck on that's not fair? Or why do they get credit, why I don't? Um, or anybody here ever do something really gracious for your family and no one notices? And inside you just churn, right? So imagine the next time you do something really gracious for your family and no one notices, and then your next thought is, wow, I have a grudge problem. Versus we let it stew or it comes out and yelling. Or actually, a lot of men, we can be professional stonewallers. Stonewall. A stonewaller is someone who finally does this. I'm not talking anymore. I'm done. You don't get it. What's wrong with you? I'm just not talking the rest of the night. I'm gonna go watch the Braves Dodgers game. Or whatever it is. Right? So what we do is we stonewall as a, as a way to gain control. So we all can that's that's older brother stuff. But we all can have some younger brother stuff too, kind of like was mentioned last night, where we think to do what I want, when I want, with that, however I want, with whoever I want, is ultimate freedom. That's what he did. We, we actually have both of those type of people inside of us. We, we have the capacity to do those things. So, uh, all right, here's where it's going to be interesting. Because uh, at women's conferences, they're excited about this. At guys' conferences, they'd look at me like, are you kidding me? All right, so you're going to talk to the person next to you. And hopefully he's in a good mood. If not, you can forgive him. <laughs> what I want you to do now, like groups of two or three, and we're not going to do this for like 15 minutes. Don't worry. It's going to be like a minute. All right? Because some of you are going to be like, I don't know. Your turn. All right? What I want you to do is talk about why do you think people don't forgive? Why do you think, especially Christians, even though they know they should, even though it's clear in the Bible, what keeps people, you know, other people, people maybe that go to other camps or other places. <laughs> you know, they're at Forest Home or wherever they're at. Why, why would they not forgive even though it's in their best interests? God's pretty clear about that. Why do you think they don't forgive. All right, go break chat. All right, talk, be weird, be awkward. Hi, I'm so-and-so. We have to talk, sorry. All right, I'm gonna focus on like these first like uh, three rows. One or two guys, these first three rows. Why do uh, people struggle to forgive? What's an answer? First three rows, yeah. Stubbornness. Stubbornness. Uh, anybody here like to be right? Yeah, I'm always right. I'm always right. Well, when am I not? Yeah, yeah. Resentment. Feeling betrayed. Feeling betrayed, absolutely. History. History, absolutely. All right, next kind of middle section here. Yes. Hard and heart. Hard and heart. Not getting something in return. Not getting something in return. Yep. How's this going to benefit me? Yes. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, yes. What? Yeah, I don't want to let it go. There's actually a sense of power when you hold on to it. There's a sense of power like, I'm going to forgive when I want to. Like, I see this sometimes when I do marriage counseling with uh, professional uh, uh, people who are really good and they're professionals that are doing the silent treatment. I'm not going to talk till I want to. Right? And they're really good at it because they want to get, there's empowered in that. This family's not talking until I want them to talk. Right? There's a power in that. Absolutely. Uh, let's go back further. Yes, real loud, please. Just loss, of my control. loss of my control. Yes, yes. 
Blame. Oh, that, that's a perfect one. Yes. Blame, blame, blame. Happens all over. Yes. A loss of trust. A loss of trust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but it's amazing how, uh, I'm not sure what that is, but uh, how, oh, backing up. All right, we'll need forgiveness later. Yeah, it's amazing how creative we can be at blaming, right? So we do this all the time. We, we do blame without even trying. So for instance, do not raise your hand on this one. Anybody ever had the, fo- the following thought? They make me so mad. That's a blame statement. I remember one time I was talking with this couple, and, uh, and he was going on and on and on on how big of nag she was. Which I'm like, huh, no wonder you're here. Uh, so he keeps going on and on. And he goes, of course I yelled a few times. She can't get off my back. And she's just like rolling her eyes and all this kind of thing. And he just, he's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I yell sometimes, of course. And uh, finally, I just had to be really straightforward with the guy. I go, so when did you give her all the power for your mood? And then he got mad at me. <laughs> right, so no one else is responsible for our mood. They're not. They're not at all responsible for it. I'm responsible for how I carry myself. Yes, I can feel irritated, but I'm responsible for how that comes out and where that goes. But we we just go to that, they make me so mad. Um, We can do that really quickly. All right, go to page three in the the handout. Page three. All right, we're going to talk some more in detail about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. What forgiveness is and forgiveness is not. So, uh, and I want to separate it out between forgiveness and reconciliation. So the first one is this. Forgiveness does not mean the relationship is automatically restored. That's actually reconciliation. The Bible has different passages on reconciliation than it does on forgiveness. So uh, there's this huge misconception that if we forgive, we go back to being chummy and we're good. That is not forgiveness. So here's my definition of forgiveness. And this is from person to person, uh, is this giving up the right for revenge before God? Or giving up the right to get even before God? Right? So giving up that opportunity to do that zinger back at them. Or giving up the right to withhold love from them. So. It's giving up that right. So I've seen this all the time and how different forgiveness is and reconciliation. Forgiveness has nothing to do with really trust and reconciliation does. So I see this in marriages. I've seen this a thousand times where let's say a a guy gets caught by his wife or girlfriend looking at pornography. And then a number of weeks later she goes, okay, I decided to forgive you. Please don't do that. It's really hard on me. It feels like it betrays me. And then about six months later, he walks out of the living room and sees her looking at his phone. And he blows up. And he goes, I thought you forgave me. What he's really implying is you should automatically what? Trust me. We confuse those two. So yes, she forgave. She's not going to get back at him or try to throw it in his face. But trust is not going to happen right away. Trust is going to happen right away. So trust uh, doesn't mean the relationship's automatically restored. Forgiveness is a one-way street. Reconciliation is a two-way street. So in Luke 23, 34, there's this famous passage where Christ is on the cross, and he says the following, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's offering forgiveness because he had all the power to to kill them right now. He could have sent his angels, all sorts of stuff. However, the very next verse, they're gambling for his clothes. 
it gets worse. They're trying to make a financial deal out of his suffering. He, the forgiveness was a one-way street. He was giving up the right to have revenge on him. The, the relationship wasn't restored with those soldiers. It got worse. So we separate this idea that we think that because we forgive, we have to go back to being all good and normal and act like everything's just fine. And that's not the case. So if someone steals a thousand bucks from me, yes, I might choose to forgive them, but I'm not going to let them borrow another thousand dollars. Right? So I, I've seen this all, even with like church leaders sometimes. They'll make a mistake and they'll, they want everybody to forgive them right away and to trust them right away. I'm like, I actually had, a, this is a, a true situation in a church context where something, someone did something uh, really inappropriate and then they pull that person out of leadership and then as soon as he goes, I'm sorry, they go, okay, you're back in. And they confuse forgiveness and trust and they wonder why everything was a mess. Right? And that can get manipulated really easily. So with Jesus, uh, the second point, um, forgiveness doesn't mean the pain from the offense has been lifted. So sometimes we have this idea, I'll forgive when it no longer stings. Well, if that's the case, what was, what was Jesus doing? That pain, the pain, the emotional pain, the physical pain didn't change a bit when he was on the cross, when he says that, phrase, Father, forgive them. So sometimes we will say, I'll forgive them when I feel like I'm over it. Some of us, if you wait, you'll wait, you'll, you won't ever forgive. You'll wait the rest of your life. Rest of your life. Um, uh, the third kind of bullet there uh, is kind of a summary. Forgiveness, forgiveness does not mean that there is a necessarily a quick renewal of trust. Uh, one of the qualifications uh, in the New Testament, in like 1 Timothy, is, for being an elder or pastor is they cannot be a new what? New convert, a new believer, right? It's pretty clear in the New Testament for those in leadership and the elder kind of pastor role, you can't be a new Christian. It's pretty clear. Now, that new Christian, are they forgiven? Of course. They're forgiven like everybody else. They're forgiven as much as that person who's been a, a pastor, elder for 50 years, 40 years, whatever. However, what's the level of trust? It's not there. They, trust takes time. Trust takes a lot of time. Uh, another passage here, forgiveness does not mean that the offender is free from justice. Or it doesn't mean also there's no consequences. I've had Christians, when I, especially when I was a social worker, say, uh, let's say there's domestic violence, and they would say, well, I forgive him, so that means he shouldn't go to jail. No, th those are different things. So even in this passage, it's medicine, uh, stated here, 2 Samuel 12, this is the context with David and Bathsheba, where he commits murder, has an affair, I mean, all sorts of junk. And I'm, I'm actually going to read from 2 Samuel 12, 13 to 16. And then remember, Nathan confronts him with the story with the sheep. And it says this, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. 2 Samuel 12, 13. But Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You're forgiven. Great. Great. And most people will be like, okay, let's move on. What are we doing for lunch? It says, you are not going to die, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. So there's still natural consequences that come out of our sins. Sometimes we confuse those two. So I've actually, I've actually uh, said this to people. Um, I forgive you, but I don't trust you. Now, that, that's an interesting conversation with people sometimes. <laughs> Oof. But that, that's truth's going to take time. You betray some trust. So, but when the, what happens is we think we forgive, and then we have to trust, and then they burn us again, and they're like, this forgiveness thing doesn't work. That's for the birds. Why do I trust them now? But we equate it with trust when that's not what was really intended. Uh, next one, next bullet here. Uh, forgiveness does not mean that we forget the offense. That, that phrase, forgive and forget, I, I'd never use that ever with somebody. Uh, if someone's been betrayed, you don't go, oh, I have amnesia. 
I forgot they cheated on me. Yeah. Oh, that right, two years ago they did. No, that's impossible. What it means is you give up the right for revenge to throw it back in their face, right? Uh, it says here, God never forgets like amnesia. He just puts the sin in its proper place. Uh, next bullet, it's impossible to be a growing Christian and continue to not forgive somebody. Absolutely impossible. Uh, this is a tough one too. I want you to think, and some of you might not have somebody, and some of you might. I want you to think of someone in your life who has been somewhat of a jerk to you a little bit. Okay? I don't care. It was a parent growing up to a coworker who wanted all the glory to whatever it is. Uh, here's to me just a practical sign that it, you might need to rethink this idea of forgiveness. If you cannot genuinely pray, God, I pray you'd work in their life and they would experience more of your love today. If you can't say that sincerely about a certain person, you probably need to go there. You probably need to have some time with God or some wrestling and, go and praying. You go, God, I probably should look at that. Uh, because most people, we have a hard time knowing what our heart is really like. It's amazing, like in Christian circles, I'll ask people in like counseling, so tell me, how's your heart doing? Oh, I read my Bible. That's good. Or how's your heart spiritually before God? Oh, I go to church. Okay. Now, those are great things. Please, please don't hear me minimize those things. Those are really important things. But anybody here ever read the Bible with a hard heart? Or sat through church or a forgiveness class and your hard heart? We've all done that. We've sat there and we're just kind of numb to it. So we have a hard time, so, so hard time really looking at our heart. That's a hard thing for us to do sometimes. Uh, and the Bible talks about we deceive ourselves pretty easily. Uh, the last one on this page. If we are consistently thankful for forgiveness on the cross, then we'll find it easier to have an attitude of forgiveness for ourselves. Now, back to that Luke 15, the younger brother and older brother. If you were to talk to them a year later after that party that was thrown, which one would, would you think has experienced God's love and forgiveness? The prodigal son. It's obvious. It's obvious. My guess is uh, the grudge has grown in that older one. Right? So it's, it's an amazing connection between our understanding of God's forgiveness towards us and we ask ourselves, what part of me is like the older brother? Because if it is, I will minimize the opportunities I have to forgive others. All right, go to the next page. Next page. All right, we're going to do something a little different here. What you're going to do now is I would like you to just read over uh, this page four, and there's different ways that people think of forgiveness, and only two of them are right. The rest actually are probably not the healthiest ways. And then you, what you're going to do is I want you to find the things on this sheet uh, in regards to forgiveness that was modeled for you growing up. Which one of these things was modeled for you as a, a boy or a teenage guy? So for instance, um, like for instance, number six, if you had a, parents who did the following, they would just kind of smooth over it and act like, we're fine. We're good. And you can find more than one, yes. All right, so take 60 seconds, read this page, and think which one of these things, it could be more than one, it could be different with a parent, whoever raised you, uh, was modeled for you in your growing up years. All right, what you're going to do now is I want you to talk to those same people that you did like 10 minutes ago and go, which one? Oh, yeah, you know, 
our family was, was they were, uh, they were professional um, blamers. They're number nine. They're really good. Or number 11. Wow, they were really good at getting even. All right. So uh, which, uh, talk to this person next to you. If you see a guy sitting by my, himself, just say, hey, can we be socially awkward together? Let's chat. <laughs> All right, go break chat. What, talk about what stood out on this page. All right, I want a few of you. Uh, I'm looking for some out loud people to chat. What stood out on this page after thinking of this in your family? I'm looking for some out loud people to share. You're all talking. Seven and 12. Or just any random thoughts after reading through this page you're having right now. Yeah. There's quite a bit of them. You're like, this was my grandpa, this was my mom. This is my brother. Happy Thanksgiving. Like. <laughs> yeah, it can lead a lot of this stuff. Yeah, someone else. Random thought. Yeah. 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 She. Yeah. Her, her. She had some good motives that she wanted peace, but the, how it was executed could have used some some help, right? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want some peace in their house? Absolutely. Uh, but sometimes it's at at a cost of uh, pushing under the rug. I've, I've talked to some people. I'm like, I think your rug is so uh, high you trip over it every time you walk through. There's so much under the rug. All right, someone else, random thoughts. Let's read this. Yes, real loud, please. It's so much easier to walk away from people than it is to truly forgive them. Oh, it's more complicated, too. It's, it, I mean, just think of our cancel culture today. Racism never happened. I mean, it, it is so much easier to go, I'm done with them. They're an idiot. They're a jerk. Whatever it is, than to go, especially if someone like a family member. I'm not talking about someone, some random person you've never met who had what they think is their, their own amazing blog, all right? What I'm talking about is to go to them and go, wow, it sounds like we need to talk about what happened and let's address it. That's harder. That's, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather watch Sports Center than have that conversation, right? I mean, that can feel awkward and how's it gonna go? Well, if they overreact and, and all that stuff. You know, on a, a side note, my, my favorite, actually, this is, this is showing my weirdness. Um, my kids would agree with that statement right there. I have two teenage boys. My favorite type of counseling is extended family counseling, where I get like 10 of them in the room. And I go, here we go. And I say, tell us where the power struggles are in this family and let's talk. And you can feel, hear, hear a pin drop and they go, oh my, oh my. That never gets talked about because it's awkward. And where do you go? And then you get blamed for it. And, and sometimes the person who brings it up is the one who's now considered the problem child. Like, why are you talking about her drinking? You're the problem, child. All right, someone, someone else, random thoughts. Let's read this page. Yes. Seven and 12 are probably the most rare out of them all. Okay. Seven, what about seven and 12? You know what I mean is people tend to go, like, act on the other ones. Yeah, or they react to each other. Or sometimes you'll find those different personalities with this, they find each other and marry each other even. Yeah, a thought there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's talk about a real practical way to do the how. And this is going to, I apologize for you. Some of you that are like, this sounds too much like counseling. I can't get that part of me. Some of you are like, I should have gone to the money seminar. <laughs> like, I'd rather give away money. No. Um... <laughs> So one of the things that's really tough about forgiveness is not just forgiving the act that occurred, it's forgiving the impact of the event that occurred. So I've talked to people who, they'll say, I have forgiven my dad for walking out on me, but I'm still having a hard time forgiving him for how that affected me as a teenager. 
because I made some pretty bad choices that might not have occurred if you hadn't walked up. So I've actually had people say, I want you to write out the impact of the event. Like, write down five, ten things and start with the easiest one and say, can I give up a right for revenge for that one? I'll start with the easiest one first. I had a, a guy, this is, he was in my office, literally just in the last few weeks. And this guy was a sex addict. And um, he wrote down a few dozen things he had done wrong towards his wife. A few dozen. I don't know, 40, 50 things. Uh, and it, could be, it wasn't just all like betrayals. It could be, I lied to you. I said I was on my laptop doing work when I was flirting online. So and anything in between, right? And so then what he did is he, uh, with the help of a counselor, he, he says, I'm gonna read them all out loud to her. And she, gets, she does one of three things. She's either gonna say, yes, I forgive you, no, I don't forgive you, or I need to think about it. And uh, he goes, that was one of the scariest days of my life, right? Because it was, there was something, she's like, I can forgive you for when you lied about where you were, but when you lied in front of my kids, I can't forgive that yet, right? So part of the forgiving is not just the event, it's the impact of the event. And that's what's really tough. That's what's really hard. Because some of us have been through some pretty hard stuff that affects us decades later. Some things are pretty small, like, okay, I, I, can, yeah, I forgive because that was like last week. And, but there's some things that are a lot deeper than that. All right, one or two more thoughts. Random questions from this page. Now that's all in a serious mode. Yes, real loud, please. I think forgiveness has to be wholehearted. Yes. Genuine, or are you just going through the motions? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just going through those emotions. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, it has to be genuine. Now, I want to talk briefly, I want to change gears here for a little bit and talk about uh, what if we're the offending party? I heard that happens with guys once in a while. Um, and how do you try to seek to reconcile with someone that you want them to forgive you, but that you don't have control of that? That's a delicate thing, right? You blew it, you yelled at them pretty bad to your kids, and you're like, oh man, I'd just rather watch TV than talk about what I did last weekend. So, a couple things about if you're on that end of things, you're more the one who's offended or hurt or betrayed trust to some degree. How do you go about restoring that? So, one of the, here's a couple just real practical tips. Um, give the person who, need, who hopefully will forgive you as much time as they want. I've sat in my office with plenty of family members and I said to the person who, let's say, stole money or cheated or whatever they did, they, they yelled out of control at their kids, whatever it was, they hurt. And I said, I want you to look at them eventually, you have to do it sincerely and say, you can take as many years as you want to forgive me. But you have to mean it. Here's the thing I've noticed with this idea of forgiveness. If we ever demand forgiveness or pressure it or rush it, it actually extends it. I've seen it a thousand times. Where someone will say, when are you gonna get over this? That was eight months ago. You just extended another eight months. Because forgiveness can never be pressured at all. There has to be lots of freedom. Well, just think how God treats us. He gives us a lot of freedom to deny him, to respond well to him, to ask for forgiveness towards him. He gives us freedom. Just think how much freedom he gave the disciples. He wasn't going around, Peter, uh, ask for forgiveness for that. Do it right now. Do it on the spot. It's been 24 hours since you told me not to go die on the cross. Yes, your thoughts, sir? Just a, a thought. For me, it's out of mind or out of sight, out of mind. Yes. So the person that you're expecting forgiveness from, Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's where you bring it up with them and say, you know that thing that occurred between us? Are you, I would say, are you ever open to talking about it? That's a delicate thing. That's a delicate thing uh, to do. So demanding trust uh, is really significant. Another kind of practical tip, if you're on the, you've been the offender with some broken trust or some hurt, is 
and especially in families, especially in marriages, is to, and this is so counterintuitive to who we are as human beings, is you have to look at the pain you've caused. If, let's say uh, a dad went off on his kids, just went off, and he wants to make it right with them, one of the best things he could ever do is not just say, I'm sorry, but he approaches his kids, says to them and go, can I hear how scared you felt when I yelled at you? I want to listen. That's not normal. No guy in his normal state of mind is going to do that. He'd rather go work a 15-hour shift at his job. He'd rather put in some overtime. At least some money gets out of that. However, but if he's willing to do that and willing to look at how his actions impacted his kids, the chance for reconnection goes up a thousand percent. Versus I've seen the following. I said I was sorry. Why are you still acting like that? That's just gonna push them away further. That's like gonna push them away to other people that you don't want them to influence their life that will influence their life. But that, that really takes, that's Holy Spirit stuff. Um, or the, the guy who let's say kept looking at porn and goes to his wife, he goes, I'm willing to listen to your anger at me and listen to the pain it caused you and I won't be defensive back. Again, that's not normal. That's Holy Spirit stuff. Because no guy in his right mind is being like, oh, I can't wait to wait to do that. Are you kidding me? I'm gonna give an ounce of freedom with her anger? I know what it's like. But here's what I've seen a thousand times is when someone does that, whether it's towards your kids or spouse or wherever you've hurt or offended, what happens is they to go, when they did that original offense, I, it, it, I just had all this confusion. I thought they loved and cared about me. But when they're able to step into the fear they caused me or the hurt they caused me, they start to rethink and go, oh, he must really care about me or he wouldn't be asking. Now, if you do that, you can't be defensive. You can't do 60 seconds later, that's enough. Not that you guys would do that, but people I've talked to, right? Uh, another quick way to, uh, again, this is more the reconciliation piece, is uh, you don't require them to ask you all the right questions for you to be completely honest. Uh, I've seen a few guys over the years that they're really good at kind of like, they'll answer it just enough to not like divulge the whole thing, right? So that's another, another thing. Um, another one is, and this helps with reconciliation, is there's actions behind their words and not just talk like I'm sorry, right? All of us have known other guys that you're like, you're just a talker, you're just a talker. I remember I was talking to this one guy who, uh, I actually have a situation going on right now, this is a true story, and he goes, I'll do anything for my marriage, anything. I, I've been married 20 years. I literally had a text about it this morning. I'll do anything. And so they went and saw this uh, Christian counselor and the Christian counselor says, you actually need to go to rehab. And it's gonna cost you a thousand bucks. I can't afford that, are you kidding me? No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Are you, you know what I could do with that thousand dollars? So he's, it's talk. And this, 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 this couple has some money. They have, normal, they have jobs. Now, is it financially stressful? Of course it is. But I, I, don't, I didn't text this back to the guy, don't worry. But in my mind, I'm like, that, I guarantee an attorney is a lot more than a thousand bucks if you ever went to divorce. I've thought, I've, I've those thoughts once in a while. I mean, the average divorce now is 20 to 30 grand. So like, oh, so a thousand compared to twenty, but that I'm gonna do that in person, not by text. Cheaper to keeper. Yeah, cheaper. Yeah. All right, keep going here before I get in more trouble. Keep going. Next page. Uh, page five. Page five in the handout. Yes. Oh, the two correct ones. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, number seven. Uh, number twelve. Thank you. All right, so uh, if anybody's, 
if anybody's um, laying in your bed tonight because the guy in your room is snoring like crazy, you can just read page five about bitterness. Some of you are just getting that. You're just getting it right now. Oh, some of you need some more coffee. A couple things about bitterness. Here, here's, here's a big one. Uh, the second bullet on bitterness is this. I allow certain people to negatively dictate my mood. All right? Here's a, this is a personal prayer of mine. This is just a personal conviction of mine. I say, God, I want your love to dictate my mood more than any human on the planet. I want your love for me to dictate my mood more than any human on the planet. So I have two teenage boys. And they're imperfect teenage boys like normal teenage boys. So the next time, it's a Saturday at 1 p.m. and I ask them to do something and they do the little of the roll of the eyes. I actually hope that later that day, my thought is this, God, I do the same to you. Help me experience your love. Versus those entitled little punks. <laughs> right? Because I might act nice on the inside, but we all know we have stuff like that on the inside that goes on. God, I want your love to dictate me even more than if my kids obey or not, or if my wife is respectful or not, if my boss is a jerk or not. Because it's almost like we hand the keys to our mood to other people. And then we wonder why we're really having a rough time. And then, because we're doing that, we need escape, and then we have all, we're really creative in our forms of escapism. Right? That can happen really, really easily. Uh, go to uh, uh, page six. Page six real quick, next page. Just clarifying what forgiveness means. Uh, a few bullets here. You'll, not, you'll let go of the demand for repayment, particularly as you exhausted all reasonable attempts as restitution or uh, restoration. The idea of they have to pay me somehow. Um, forgiveness is not dependent on them saying sorry or not. Because if you wait, some of you will wait the rest of your life. So another example, I mentioned this briefly last night in the announcement. Bitterness or lack of forgiveness is like going to your kitchen, putting together this concoction of poison for the person that hurt you, but you end up drinking it yourself. That's what lack of forgiveness does. That's what poison is. It's poison. Eats at you. I mean, even John Hopkins was saying it. It literally hurts your health. Lurch or hell. All right, go to the next page. Last page. Just last page. Page seven. Just because of time here. So just a contrast of being stuck versus forgiveness. Um, I, you can look at this another time. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to end, end with this. Why don't you turn to that person next to you, that person who hopefully has been in a good mood. If not, like I said, you forgive them. All right? They're smiling on the outside. Uh... And what I would like you to do is take one minute and share what's one thing that stood out in our last hour. One thing that stood out. And please don't do this. Page five would be great for my wife. Okay, that can't be your thing. I wish my parents would have gone to this years ago. All right, no, no. What's one thing that stood out over the last hour? All right, go break chat. Whoever talked least last time, I hope you go first this time. Some of you are going, oh, man. If you keep talking, I'm going to have to forgive you. All right, well, thanks for being great. Thanks for even doing the chatting thing. I know some of you are like, really? Uh, well, I'm just thankful just to be part of this. I'm, I'm thankful for Hume. Actually, Hume is the place I met my wife as a teenager. So I just love this place, and uh, I'm just so thankful to be here. Uh, a co couple just real other things. On the very, very front page, go to the very front page. Um, I do not get any money for this. So that's, I'm not saying this for that reason, I promise. Uh, I do a, actually a podcast at the very bottom of that right corner. There's actually on episode four, it's not stated there. I interview a guy who forgave, his name is Gary, he's a friend of mine, who forgave the man who killed his daughter. Ouch. A DUI situation. And then he saw him after prison and what happened. So, uh, so it's episode number four on there. 
um, and how he worked through. Talk about, I couldn't imagine, uh, forgiving. So it's episode four on the, on the pot where it says storiesofhope.podbean.com, the very bottom right of that front page. It's just a real practical of someone living, the, living out what, what God did for them and they want to extend that uh, to, to other people. If you have any questions, you can always email me if you have like, uh, that was confusing. Um, I'd love to always chat. And let me pray for us to wrap up uh, our time. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being not just willing to forgive us, but quick to forgive us. Lord, you did not hesitate in offering forgiveness to us. What, what a gift. And I pray for the men in here who honestly probably have some forgiveness stuff to work on, but it's going to be easier to forget about at it after leaving today uh, or going down the hill. I just pray you use this time for great good. And uh, thanks for uh, this place. I pray you continue to bless Team Lake. In Christ's name, amen.